delighted to welcome uh, Claire Sir, who's Professor of Dementia Studies at Leeds Beckett University. Uh, you'll recall we had uh, Claire's colleague Alice here earlier today. We've also got to talk to Laura uh, Bui. Bui, that's right, pronunciation. I'm being bad with pronunciations today. Boo. It's okay, you're allowed to. It's boy. Boy. <laughs> uh, you can pass, Adam. He's a research associate at the Population for Health uh, Science Institute at Newcastle University and Dr. Victoria Shepherd, who's a research associate from the Cardiff University. We've had a few from Cardiff today, a couple from, and not so many from Newcastle, I don't think, maybe. Oh no, we've got somebody later, to, we've got Fiona later today from yep. Newcastle. one more. Thank you very much. So, I, I mean, I think, do you, would you agree it's quite telling that whilst some of the other subjects have been people working on similar things, that, that Care Homes has got so much research going on now we were able to have two sessions and and we've only touched on this and there are so many other people working on this which is great because it highlights we've had a lot of scientists talking about cells and things but highlighting that that along with treatments and prevention goes goes care because some people sadly are not going to be able to benefit from a, a a drug treatment or from the prevention because it's too late mm -hmm. And that's where your work comes in. Uh, Victoria, maybe if I could ask you to introduce yourself first. Yeah, yeah. So, Vicky. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so, I'm a researcher at the Centre for Trials Research in Cardiff University. Uh, it's a clinical trials unit where we do clinical trials and other types of research in lots of different populations, conditions, uh, health and social care settings. Um, and we have done quite a number of uh, trials in care homes. And my other sort of strand of research is thinking about how we can include people with dementia and other conditions uh, who lack capacity to consent in research. So thinking about some of those ethical challenges, the legal challenges, and then working around how family carers can help make decisions about research on behalf of people who lack capacity to give their own consent. Consent comes up a lot, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, because I, I think both in terms of it can be a good thing because when it's done really well, it kind of helps explain things properly and make sure somebody gets off on the right foot to participation. And it can also be done badly. Yeah. Um, when it's when it's not done, and the problem is, is for every time it's done badly, it kind of hinders things. So it's brilliant to see that that's the focus of your work. Claire, could I? Yeah. So I'm Claire Sir, I'm Professor of Dementia Studies at Leeds Beckett University um, and the Director of the Centre for Dementia Research. So um, as Adam mentioned, my colleague Alice Griffiths was um, on earlier today. At our centre, we do research in the, the care area, um, covering dementia care and services and then work around the arts, sport, physical activity um, and those areas of, of dementia care. Personally, my own research um, is largely in care homes and other formal care settings like hospitals. Um, so I've done a clinical trial in, in care homes um, of the type that Vicky's been talking about. Um, but one of the main areas I've worked on is workforce development. So how do we make sure the, the care home staff workforce have the right knowledge and skills and qualities to deliver good dementia care? Because um, they're often the forgotten about group of staff. So obviously the NHS do a fantastic job, but often a lot of the resource and recognition goes to NHS staff and care home staff are actually doing a very difficult job. Caring for people with dementia is very complex. They have complex 
um, sort of um, needs to do with their dementia, but they might also have lots of physical problems as well, because this is an older, frail population. And care home staff often have access to very little training and development, and yet are caring for this very complex group of people. So my my work's particularly looked at what does effective training and education look like and how can we help staff to implement things in care homes that could possibly make um, care better. And Laura, I'll come to you in a second, but I think that's one of the important things that, which I find great. I think care home research has been far more successful at this than many others, which is translating research findings into genuine frontline services and action. These are things, I mean, I know you've been involved before Claire in dementia care mapping and things like that, which is now massively used all over the place, isn't it? And, you know, your work on consent, Victoria, uh, Vicky, has, has really helped shape kind of and give researchers the guides they need to get better at taking consent for people. I, I love that about this, this field of work. And Laura, I'll come to you now. I have to follow after those two. Good. Um, so my name is Laura Boy. I'm an Atlantic Fellow with the Global Brain Health Institute, and I'm also a founding member of the World Young Leaders in Dementia. But like Professor Claire, my, my own research has a lot to do with marginalized populations inside long-term care. So I look specifically at the mostly migrant woman workforce who delivers direct care in these settings. So a lot of my work has to do with how to bring marginalized populations into research and help to get their voices and experiences heard. So building on what Claire said to help educate this workforce to deliver the best dementia care and also to protect them as well. So it was um, somebody, oh, do you know what? I feel really bad now because I've spoken so You've many talked people. to a lot of people it's today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leah Hugh, from uh, Southampton uh, in the last session who was talking about uh, carers and this kind of lack of recognition or even societal kind of lack of acknowledgement of the importance of that that role what what's your research uh what's your research telling us claire how can that situation be improved i'm, I'm going to turn my camera off just for a second that's all right i think it's what our research i'm sure um, Laura and Vicky will agree, tell you is care homes are extremely complex environments and there's not a simple solution to, um, to how we, we work through all of this. Um, there's a lot of, the complexity lies in the fact that we've got a workforce that hasn't had access to education and training that might need, so they, they come in sometimes unprepared. We do have quite a, a migrant workforce, um, so people who maybe English is a, a second language who have different cultural perspectives and understandings of dementia. We have a very high turnover as well within care homes, so um, you might expect that about 25 to 30% or more of staff in a care home will leave during any year, so, and, and quite difficult challenges in recruiting for care homes so it's it's a very changing environment all the time so actually putting things into practice like training or consent um, or engagement in research or, or helping staff to feel more confident are always challenged by that fact that you've got a very changing workforce who often need to access the basics rather than necessarily thinking about mm. some of these um, higher level issues so certainly my research around dementia training and education showed that you really need to invest in the time and effort to do that and that can be challenging and so you've got to think how can we get the best quality dementia training on the topics that people really need to 
to people who are delivering care. So people wanted face-to-face training, which is obviously extremely challenged by the current COVID situation, but also by the fact that that takes longer to, to do and more resources, but actually it's much more effective to get people in a room together and talking about things because people often aren't confident learners. So it's really a balance often of, if you want to improve things and get the best outcomes, sometimes that requires more resource than can sometimes be feasible. And so how do you balance those things to get the best outcomes? Um, And it can sometimes be a vicious cycle. So you find the care homes that are performing better are able to do more. Uh, and the ones that are struggling really struggle to do the basics and then that's where they get higher staff turnover because people aren't happy and so I think we need a lot more focus on the homes that are struggling and how can we really help them to improve and to make those small steps forward because going in with big interventions or big ideas is not going to work for them and that's certainly what my clinical my my trial of, of dementia care mapping showed the best homes at the top could put it into practice but the others just didn't have the resources to make a start it wasn't that they didn't want to and didn't want to deliver good care they just didn't have that staffing and skill and confidence and resource to be able to put that into place you get a sense that 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 career then is going right back to the start well first of all is to think about that as a career rather than a job right because i mean this is um how do people commonly get their their training when they work in the setting is this on the job i mean I'd like to think that there's some professional qualification that people decide I want to do that as a, as a job and they go get their qualification and then apply for it. But they, that, that's probably not how it commonly happens, is it? People come to this work through some other, through, through mm-hmm. some other means. Often, often out of necessity for needing to retool and, and have an actual job. And another reason is that sometimes people see it as a healthcare stepping stone. So instead of nursing, I can't afford that. I don't have the, the privilege to be able to go to school for that long, so I'll try this. Um, or it fits into their schedule, they're a single mother and this doesn't need that much education to be able to do. But then along with what Claire said, it's an entirely stigmatized role. So the actual role of what care aides do or direct care providers do in long-term care is unknown. So this massive backbone of, of the healthcare system and dementia care specifically, uh, society doesn't know what they actually do. And a lot of, I guess, the the larger care homes and the big corporate groups will fund staff to go through their, I don't know, the NBQs and things like that. The, these these trainings. Um, but I, I only know personally because I know that uh, I, I know two people who previously worked at a nursery school uh, who then went on to work in the local care home because the money was better. But I don't think that they certainly when they went to that job they weren't professional professionally trained carers I guess their employers offered that as part of the job but again depends then on which which company you go and work mm. for as to the and, quality. and what jobs are available locally so care homes also have the problem that somebody might open a supermarket or something near to a care home and actually they pay more than the care home does and so people move there instead so you've got quite as Laura said people if the people coming in who they they don't necessarily have a qualification as you're talking about Adam it's not a role where you have to have a formal qualification it's a very mobile workforce and so they will go into different roles depending on you know it's much it's seen as much easier and less stigmatized work to go and work in the local supermarket Mm -hmm. than it is to provide this very difficult and intimate care for for people who are older and very frail so it's you know you you really need to as well want to do that and there are a lot of staff who are 
are there in care work because it's actually their vocation and it's something they get there and they go do you know I just love this job it this is when I see the resident spaces and I know I've made a difference to them that's what makes my day and that's I think really drives a lot of care staff to continue working sometimes under very difficult circumstances delivering really good care because it's, it's, it's just what keeps them in the job about. isn't it mm. because I mean as you say when a, when somewhere else opens that's better paid they you know they yeah. will do uh, it's better better paid and also physically could be less demand, uh, demanding and also the trauma that carried C or direct care providers see in long-term care um, can definitely lead to to real serious mental health repercussions so it, it all depends on the situation of the individual so your your research identified kind of ways to not only to what those individuals need to do when they're doing their day job to make their care better but also kind of what what might persuade them to consider this vocation and then stay with it i mean what do we need to change is that it's not easy, big question adam <laughs> and i think it's different for different people isn't it i think there are lots of different groups that you might want to target so there are you know migrant workforce but then there's also younger people who are coming out of school and college and we want to attract them into seeing social care as a really good career mm -hmm. choice and a, um, a valuable job to do and I think we've got a big job to to work um, within our schools and, and colleges to be selling that as well as with our sort of more mature adult population to see you know if you're looking for a a career change or looking for a job that this is something that is a positive job so to getting, do getting a good salary to start with making it paid enough that getting it well paid and then of course that isn't necessarily going to attract the right people but then of course um doing the yeah. work to attract the people into that and thinking about until this. the government puts more money into social care i think we're always going to be i mean money isn't the be all and end all and the final answer and if you just throw loads of money at it it's no. not going to suddenly change things but it would certainly help and i think the government is going to have to bite the bullet and decide how it's going to effectively fund social care and su successive governments have avoided that conversation because it's a difficult one the money's got to come from somewhere so do we charge more taxes to people do people have a private insurance like we do in other countries so there are no easy answers to solving um the social care scenario really but it's got to have some more money that's got to come from somewhere if we want to pay staff more yeah absolutely um victoria i'm going to come back to your work on consent so I think one of the challenges with with the as some of the things Claire mentioned at the start, this changing workforce that changes quite a lot, um, and English isn't necessarily the first language of the staff uh, of the, the the people working in care homes. That how does that impact on the delivery of research studies in this environment and taking cons you know taking consent from people and supporting studies to be delivered is that does that make it harder to to work in that environment as well yeah definitely so care home staff play a key role in research in care homes really in terms of helping us as researchers to uh say whether the care home is suitable to take part in the study to help us identify which of the care home residents are eligible to take part and suitable to take part in our research and then introducing us as researchers perhaps supporting residents to 
access the uh, information about the study and helping that consent process as well. So think about how we assess capacity, um, but also how we can support residents to maximize their ability to give their own consent. And language, of course, plays a, a key role in that really. So, um, but, but also their knowledge and their confidence um, there's a lot of concerns around uh, including more vulnerable residents in research, uh, those sort of ethical concerns. So what we do find is that perhaps they're more likely to go to residents who have capacity, who perhaps have less uh, medical uh, healthcare problems to involve them in research rather than actually getting a representative group of care home residents uh, who probably around 70% of them lack capacity to give their own consent you know, across all types of care homes. Um, so care home staff play a key role in that um, and informing, supporting, educating, training, but building relationships actually is the key part in that whole process. And from talking to some of the care homes that I've, I've met many care homes because obviously I've worked on setting up the Enrich programme in the first place 10 years ago now, um, is, is making that case that the research you want to deliver brings some value to the care homes because I think as we've just said when care homes are places that are stressed they're still going to make ends meet they're looking at occupancy rates and staff changing and just trying to deliver that particularly at the moment while they're also trying to deliver care during Covid is and then somebody else comes along with a research idea and says, oh, by the way, could you ask all your staff to fill in this 10 page questionnaire for me? And 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 they just know. So designing, I think any researchers are listening, the, the, the studies that you take into care homes have to kind of have some tangible value that the care homes can see the, the usefulness of. Are, yeah. are care homes getting better at, are care homes coming forward and talking to you and saying these are the things that we want more guidance on? So a couple of years ago, I did a research priority setting study with care home staff, going to them, engaging with them, and that moving that from doing care homes where a place where we do research, that, that, that we do with care homes rather than in care homes. Um, and their, their research priorities were around person-centred care, so a lot of Claire's work, um, and around how we can recruit and retain staff, so things Laura has already talked about as well. Um, and so enabling them to see that they already are, are doing research, but also that because they're experts in the care, they're the ones best placed to identify yeah. where more research is needed. And that felt like a real shift in terms of um, empowering them to take part in research. And they all said how much of a valuable experience that was because they view care homes as very much the sort of Cinderella of the, the sort of care sector, if you like, um, and as care home staff, that people go to them and tell them what they should be doing better without saying, what, what do you think needs needs more research? Um, so actually engaging them in that process felt very valuable. Yeah. And Laura, I, I mean, I asked this question to the group before as well, but coming to you, have you seen, is there a model elsewhere in the world that we can look to and say, hey, we should be trying to replicate that? I know there's an, a lot of, an awful lot of aging care research in Australia. I work with Yunhee uh, Jean, who works in Sydney, who, works on aged care and facilities and things and you get a sense that this is delivered care homes are delivered differently in different places the netherlands always comes up doesn't it as being a model for i've heard that uh, as being a model have you come across any that you think are good we should look at um i think this question should be batted back to victoria and claire but i will answer it and it's part of the I, reason I, 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 well, I, I, 
because I'm Canadian. <laughs> Is the system I know. in Canada better? <laughs> um, no comment. No, but it's, I think that every country that I work with, with researchers and advocates will say there's pockets of good examples of care. Um, uh, home models of care, but there is no one country that's doing it across the board terrifically. And Victoria and Claire, do you have the same or different answer? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's about the people in the care home. So, you, you know, you could say we're doing this model or that model, but actually, if you've not got the right care home manager leading it and there's an organization support for that and then the right staff who can work with that manager it doesn't matter what model you say you're doing or putting mm -hmm. into place it's those people that are, are really important and getting the the right people and particularly the right care home manager and that leadership in the home is the key thing I the key difference I've seen between different homes and, and they are so important and they're the job a care home manager does is incredible and you know they they again there's not necessarily there are NVQ level qualifications, but they've got to be everything from a, a leader of people and a manager. They've got to manage the budgets. They've got mm -hmm. to do assessments for residents coming in, deciding whether um, they can uh, support particular residents. They've got to liaise with families. They've got to make sure they've got the right orders for toilet rolls and various, I'm you know, it's like that, yeah, everything under the sun. And it's like, I just don't know how they how they do the job they do. They are incredible people, and and they are so important in how a care home functions. I'm just suddenly thinking about hotel managers. Whether there's a similarity between well, without the kind of care aspect of it. But thank you very much. We've got a couple of questions. Uh, Morgan Daniel, uh, Morgan Daniel's an MSc student at UCL who we're going to be working with in the next year to tell her story as she does a dementia MSc. But she's asked a question that outing you there Morgan my dissertation uh, research my dissertation research was very similar to the research that Professor Claire Sir mentioned do you feel that in particular in terms of lack of training for staff training in how to manage some of the ethical concerns associated with dementia care such as how to manage moments of confusion hallucinations how to handle care when nobody can provide consent is lacking so dealing is there a lack of, of looking around the ethical concerns to dementia care during those moments? Yes, and I think one of the, there's a, a key, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges. Wherever you go, staff will say the biggest challenge is when people are distressed and anxious and, you know, maybe at the door saying, I want to go home, where's my mother? I've, I've got to pick my children up. How do I how do I deal with that situation? And I think that the challenge with dementia care is it's not like you can say, oh, well, if you just do this, it'll work because every individual person is different and they might be different on different days. So really what you're trying to, what good training in dementia care does is tell staff there might be a few different approaches you could use. You've got to have the confidence to have trial and error, to think through, to assess a situation and to have a, a broad sort of toolkit of skills and approaches that you can use and try and then communicate that with colleagues so really it's not that's where challenges of things like e-learning come in because just going through things online that's just a list of information doesn't teach them those skills and that confidence really to you know if you've got somebody who's really distressed in front of you you've got to be a confident person as well to know how to to approach them and to to try and calm the situation down and to not feel worried if the first approach doesn't work and you try something else 
keeping that compassion at the heart of that. I absolutely mm-hmm. agree. I think you can places that are amazing because they're driven by one passionate, caring individual that puts in the, all those those hours and they never keep their nine to five. They always work longer than they have to because there aren't enough hours in the day. They're stepping up and filling in shifts as well um, when they need to. And they're present. I mean, they're there. They're doing all the jobs themselves as well, aren't they? It's, it's difficult. We're, um, there was one last question which Chris asked. So maybe I'll, anybody can take this with a quick answer. What's the best technology innovation you've seen in a care home, pandemic or otherwise? Have you got a quick technology innovation that you really like? Laura, Victoria? Unfortunately, oh, it's... Technology it's, and care homes don't ex- often go hand in hand, do they? I no, it doesn't. Put, it put does. reliable, speedy Wi-Fi in care homes. Exactly. Just get the Wi-Fi exactly. down. We'll work on the rest. Get the <laughs> Wi-Fi in there will make a massive difference. I remember a study from Cambridge saying that care homes managers didn't even have computers there'd be one computer somewhere in the building I think it's still the case yeah there's one computer that might be shared by the manager and and an admin person and the staff don't have um Mm -hmm. access to that so yeah just things like ipads i think have made a massive difference to care homes because there's so much you can do around reminiscence play music and lots of things so i think quite basic technologies can make a big difference we don't need to be all singing and all dancing I think COVID has also seen a rise in the number Mm. of iPads being used in care homes. So maybe there's an opportunity there as well to... We need Jeff Bezos and Apple to get together. Let's give everybody an Amazon Alexa and get some decent Wi-Fi in care homes, for goodness sake. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining. Thank you, Victoria Shepherd, Professor Klesser and Dr. Laura um, Boy. (laughs) You got there in the end. You did good. You did good. (laughs) Well done, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you well done, Adam. for joining us. All three of our guests here today are all uh, on Twitter as well. Uh, you can find all the details in the researchers section of our website. Um, uh, please do go follow them on Twitter. And if you've got any questions, look up their work. They're all doing fantastic work in care homes as well. And they've all published lots of stuff that you can read and will find interesting. Uh, thank you very much, all three of you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye.